0: Are y'all enjoying the study on righteousness? Yes. I know for some of you it's foundational and, and you've, you've studied it uh, for years, but it never gets old. I have to be reminded. And I, I was listening to a message today. I uh, actually listened to it three times today. It was so good. And I want to recommend it to you. Uh, her name is Audrey Mack. Audrey Mack. She's from France, so she speaks with a little bit of an accent. She lives in Florida now. She teaches a lot at Andrew Womack's uh, Bible School. And they did a, I'm trying to think, Healing is Here seminar. So it was really on healing, but she did a whole session on righteousness. It was so good. It's episode eight. If you go to Andrew Womack's website and you go to the Healing is Here seminar. It's episode eight and it's Audrey Mack and you'll recognize her by the accent. So uh, just know she reenacts part of Karate Kid and imitates a chihuahua on that. So uh, she's entertaining as well as powerful. She is a very powerful minister of the word. And so what she says about righteousness, I will say a few things, but I can't say it like her. Uh, I encourage you to go and listen to it, especially if, there's, if you're believing for some healing to be manifested in your body, if you've been battling some physical things. Uh, she covers it from the standpoint of righteousness and it being your right, uh, and it is, it is very powerful. And you will love anything she teaches. Anytime I've heard her, it is spot on, holy ghost and fire, and so she is a great one to listen to. I have a request in to try to get her here, so I'll keep you posted. Y'all can can intercede about that. We divine favor. Turn with me to Romans 5. We've started the last, this will be our third week, and we've read this scripture at the start every time. Tonight, I'm going to read it to you out of several different versions, just right in a row. And the reason I like to do that is because sometimes there's one word in a different version that will... Pop something on it'll connect with you how you think, and so I'm not just trying to be redundant. Uh, there might be something in one of these versions that really helps you understand your righteousness better. We've called this Jesus based righteousness, uh, this is just part three, but I kind of subtitled it The Effect of Righteousness. We've spent two weeks talking about. Uh, righteousness being a gift. When you accept Jesus as Lord, you are accepting his righteousness. It's very plain. He made this a gift to you. It's not something you can earn. You don't earn your place with God. You don't earn the promises of God. We got to get to a place where we realize it's a gift and that we accept it and we're not depending on our own righteousness. So with that... Uh, this first one is from God's Word translation. It says, It is certain that death ruled because of one person's failure. That's Adam. It's even more certain that those who receive, 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 God's overflowing kindness and the gift of his approval, that's what righteousness is, will rule in life because of one person, Jesus Christ. Not because of me but because of one person, Jesus Christ. Uh, Bible in basic English says it this way. For if by the wrongdoing of one, Adam, death was ruling through the one, much more will those to whom has come the wealth of grace and the giving of righteousness be ruling in life through the one, Jesus Christ. The Living Bible the sin of this one man Adam caused death to be king over all. But all who will take God's gift of forgiveness and acquittal. See, acquittal. It means something to me. This is this makes it legal. Jesus legally gave you his standing with God. When he took your sin nature on himself on the cross, he legally took that from you. And you have been acquitted. It means you can't be held guilty for that anymore. And acquittal are kings of life because of this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's sin brought punishment to all, but Christ's righteousness makes men right with God so that they can live. I like that one too. That was uh, the living Bible. Weymouth, which is one of the older versions, says, For if through the transgression of the one individual death made use of the one individual to seize the sovereignty, all the more shall those who receive God's overflowing grace and gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one individual, Jesus Christ. And then one more, Philip's translation, which is another older one says, for if one, one man's offense meant that men should be slaves to death all their lives, whew, it is far greater thing that through another man, Jesus Christ, men by their acceptance of his more than sufficient grace and righteousness should live all their lives like kings. Isn't that good? And we're not talking about kings like sitting on a fat throne, eating your drumstick, having somebody fan you. You know, when when you when you think about reigning in life as kings, that has to do with authority. That has to do with rule, R U L E, rule. rule. <laughs> That's what that has to do with. And so, what what the scripture is trying to bring to us here is through Jesus Christ, we are to reign in life. Life is not supposed to be running over us roughshod. And we're not just supposed to sit back. John's been preaching this all day. We're not in the office. We're not just supposed to sit back and take what life throws at us without standing up against it. When sickness and disease come, what does the Scripture say? I mean, 1 Peter 2, 24, Isaiah. I mean, just all the way through by Jesus' stripes, we we were healed. When were we healed? When he took the stripes. And so we have a right. Righteousness is a legal word. We have been made right with God. We have got acquittal. What is holding us back From being who the word says we are, doing what the word says we should be doing, which is the works of Christ, we're supposed to be reconciling people to God, what comes to our minds that holds us back from doing those things? Guilt. Condemnation. Well, then we haven't accepted the free gift. We might have heard about it. We might be wishing it for it, but we haven't accepted it. Every single one of these versions brings out the fact that we have to take it, that we have to accept it. It's a gift. It has to be received in order for it to be of value in your life. The gift is out there, folks. It's out there, but we have to receive it. So we've been renewing our minds and trying to wrap our heads around the fact that we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not, it's, it's all about what he did, not about what we did. And we're learning to accept and we're learning to receive. And, you know, one way that we learn to accept and learn to receive is we start saying it. You know you were created to believe your words? You were created to believe your words. And faith comes by Hearing. hearing. So what happens if you start hearing yourself say, I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, and if, if we're having a, a holding back issue on not receiving something from God, his love, his grace, healing, uh, provision, anything that he's promised us in his word, if we're having a, an issue receiving We've got to come back to this foundational truth right here. Most of the time, it's a righteousness issue. Not because not because you don't have righteousness, but because you haven't received it. You haven't believed it. So, righteousness is the answer. It's the answer. So, I encourage you, if you've had something you've been kind of struggling with, start, take all these scriptures we've been covering, and make them into what I call a... a A confession, something you can state that's personal, that puts you in the sentence. Instead of just reading it, those who will receive. I receive the gift of righteousness. And watch what it does in your mind. We talked last week about our actions are determined by our nature. Our behavior is determined by our nature. Well, if we feel like we're just of the sin nature then our actions are going to be. But if we become righteousness conscious, what's going to happen to our behavior? It's going to follow the new nature. It's the new nature that you've been given in Christ. So last week I didn't get through my notes and I didn't get to Ephesians 4, so let's turn there. And I tried to make my notes shorter tonight. We'll get as far as we can get, and as always, try to remember we'll be here next week. So that's the good thing about this class; it's the people are really consistent on who's here, and you don't mind doing a series because they don't—they're not hit and miss. You guys are so diligent, and I appreciate that. It gives me a lot more freedom, and John and Mark, whoever's teaching, freedom to go more than one week. <clears throat> All right, Ephesians 4. This goes perfect with this week's lesson on the effects of righteousness. Uh, ver- uh, verse 17. It says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. So this is important that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, in the pointless or uselessness of their thinking. Verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Anybody want the life of God? Then we got to make sure we're not darkened in our understanding. We got to make sure we're enlightened in our understanding. that make a good thing for you to say. Father, I thank you that I'm enlightened and I understand your word, but I don't understand his word. Start saying you understand his word. Condition your mind to understand his word. They're separated from the life of God. This next word, I don't know what version you're reading, but in the NIV it says because. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance. It's not stupidity. That's ignorance. They don't know. The ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of of their hearts, you know what the hardening of your heart is? When you hear something and you go, "Hmm, that can't be for me." No, it's a rejecting, rejecting of the word, rejecting of the truth hardens your heart towards that truth. We're the Scripture says that we are to receive the ingrafted word. And if you think about grafting something, if we do a skin graft, this, the skin around it takes on the new skin and becomes one with it, where it can't, be, it can't even be separated from it. That's the way we're supposed to do with the word. Father, here's my life. I'm going to ingraft your word into my life. That's, that's what we do. If we don't do that, then we harden our hearts and we reject the truth, and we never get knowledge of it. Just take note of this. We're not going to go there. But in Romans 10, 3, it speaks about people not submitting to God's righteousness. Well, wouldn't everybody want righteousness? They don't, they don't understand it. If you don't understand it and you don't understand what it's based on, then you reject it. And so it talks about people not submitting to God's righteousness because they're ignorant of it, and you can go read it at your own time. And it says because they they don't understand his righteousness and they don't submit to it, they go about seeking their own rightness, their own rightness with God. And how many of you know, uh, we don't do too well at that. Uh, Jesus' righteousness is a way better deal for us. Okay, so back to Ephesians 4, verse 19. So they've they're, they're ignorant of it, um, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity. Mm, that's a bad place to be. They have given themselves over. That's a powerful little phrase. They've given themselves over to sensual, sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new where in the attitude of your mind what the attitude of your mind you won't change with the same attitude that's why we're going to be talking to ourselves I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus what am I doing I am changing my attitude Romans 12 I am renewing my mind and When I'm renewing, I'm, I'm renovating. I'm throwing out the way I used to think, but I have to replace it with a new way to think, and that new way has to come from right here. And let me tell you, you may think you might not be able to get rid of 55 years or whatever you have to fill in the blank there on you, of thinking and change the way you think. But understand this. the way you, you What experience in life has given you as thoughts and you've accepted as thoughts and strongholds cannot match the anointing and the understanding of the power of the Word of God. And you can erase 55 years of of a stronghold, a way of thinking, and change it to think the way the Word of God says because there's anointing on the Word of God to do that in your mind if you want it. So don't think, I've lived this way for 40 years. I've always thought this way. Well, then let's think a different way with the power of God on it, with the anointing of God on it, because the gospel is anointed to change your life. We receive it, right? That's what we do. We receive it, and it does the work in us. So to be made new in the attitude of your minds, I just really felt like that was going to be important for someone tonight, that attitude of your mind That attitude can be changed. Verse 24, and to put on the new self. You're born again. Well, this is the way I have but you've been born again. Born again. (laughs) Born again. And now our job is to renew the mind to fit the new self instead of the former self. Put on the new self created to be like God In true righteousness and holiness. That's some powerful words right there, church. Y'all want to be brave and say something tonight? (laughs) Say this after me. I have been created created to be like God God. in true righteousness righteousness and and holiness. I was created for it. What if you got up in the mornings and said that? Then he goes on, verse 25, and he says, therefore. I have to repeat my dad right here. When you see the word therefore, look and see what it's there for. for? do you love him? He's smiling, I'm sure, when he heard us say that. Therefore, each of you must put off blah, 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 blah. You can fill in the blank. But look, you can't put off blah, 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 fill in the blank until you go with the therefore and change that attitude of our minds. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're going to do a lot of scripture reading tonight. Y'all game for that? What's this Bible, Bible study? Go with me to Romans 6, and there was so much in here that I didn't even, I didn't even copy and paste it. I thought I'm just going to turn to it in my, in my Bible. We're going to do quite a bit of reading here. Don't be afraid to write in your Bibles; Uh, it is your manual for life. And I find lots of times it comes in real handy when I find those old notes. I have a not so pretty Bible in my office um, that some of the pages fall out of that really have some good. mm, They got some good notes in them. Lots of years. Romans 6, I'm going to start in verse 6. This whole thing is about walking in the newness of life, so you can read above. It's all good. It's just hard to find a place to to start and stop sometimes. Okay, verse 6, he says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Has the body of sin been destroyed? You might not have accepted it, but it just said, I've been crucified with Christ, right? right? That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth, we should not serve sin. Did you know that, that sin is a very cruel master? Yeah. Verse 7, for he that is dead is freed from sin. You know what he just told you? Your old man is dead. And if a person is dead, if they've broken the law and there's a warrant out for them, you can't go get them. They're dead. You are dead to sin. I am dead to sin. Y'all want to say that? I'm dead to sin, dead to sin. <laughs> For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. That means you do too. Likewise, what's likewise mean? Just like that, <laughs> reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore, rain. Boy, have we heard that word rain in the last couple of weeks? Who's supposed to rain? Sin. Who's supposed to reign? That's right. Likewise, reckon you yourselves also dead to sin, but alive to God. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Who is going to let not sin? <laughs> who's going who's gonna to rise up and not let sin? We are. Only way we can do that is if we renew our mind and have that new attitude. Who we are. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. Verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Yield is a strong word. In fact, I don't remember if it's in this passage or another passage I read. Yeah, it is in this one. We'll get to it. Who you yield yourself to, it says you are servants to obey. So if you yield yourself to sin, you are a servant to obey sin, and sin will drive you with a whip. But if we yield our members, our our body, to God, to righteousness, then who's going to be our master? God. Righteousness. So neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto God, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin. Say it with me. Sin. Will not have dominion over me. That's right. You're not under the law. You are under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. There's our choice. Sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, the weakness of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and iniquity and to iniquity, even now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things that you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now... Being made free from sin, you have become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the effect of righteousness. See, people want to not sin in order to be righteous. But the truth is you have to be righteous in order not to sin. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. You have to have the mindset of righteousness. And that helps us beat that stuff when we come from a different place. So <laughs> righteousness puts you in the reigning in life position. Where sin's not driving you. But, but you are ruling over sin. You are ruling over sickness and disease and that really stretches people's minds reigning is an authority word and I've got a feeling that we're probably going to work our way into the authority of man uh, <laughs> as we go through this uh, not tonight but in the weeks to come um, that word reign, it means to rule. I, when I looked it up today from Romans 5, it means to rule or to be the master of a thing. Yeah. You're supposed to reign in life. You're supposed to be the master of life. Life's not supposed to be telling you who you are. The Word's supposed to be telling you who you are. The wor- the, life's not supposed to be telling you what you're gonna do. The Word's supposed to be telling you what you're gonna do. And that's how we're going to Master it. One thing that Audrey Mack brought out in the teaching I watched today was the, uh, something about the word intimidation. And in where you rule, you're not intimidated. Uh, yeah, that's good. Where you rule, you're not intimidated. Why? Because you know where you have authority. And I think that's the issue for a lot of people is they don't know where they have authority. They don't know where the sovereignty of God determines if they're sick or not sick, if they die or live. And so there's this big question, especially in not... Y'all know I like to use the word religion when I'm not talking about Christianity. I'm talking about a lot of unlearned Christianity. and, And I'm not saying I know it all. Okay, I'm still learning. I'm learning with y'all. Every time I teach, I'm learning with y'all. But there's there's this attitude in a lot of religious minds that God is sovereign, and he is. But in God's sovereignty, he gave you authority. He said the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of? So who was supposed to kick the serpent out of the garden? Who's supposed to kick sickness and disease out of your body? Oh, he provided it. He provided it. But then he said the believer will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Who's supposed to lay hands on the sick? Jesus is not going to come down here and lay hands on your mother or your child or your neighbor or your wife or your husband. Jesus come down and touch. No. He said the believer will lay... So he gave this authority to man. That's the whole reason Jesus came. Man was kind of down here defenseless after the fall of man, and Jesus came, and he gave man back authority, and he told us to go and do these things in his name. You know what that means? In his authority. If I send you down to the bank, if I send Cindy down to the bank and I say, Cindy, go get $500 out of my bank account. She can't just go do that. But if I give her power of attorney, you might say power of authority. It is the same thing as if I walked in the bank. Jesus has given you power of attorney, power of authority to do what? Do his works. Do his works. And anything that's in his word, you have the authority to operate in it. And I love that. He didn't just leave us down here. So it's a legal term. You are legally in the the courts of heaven. You have been acquitted. You are righteous. You have been made right through Jesus. And it is your standing. It is your legal standing. What do I do if condemnation comes? What do I do if shame comes? There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. We talked about this a little bit last week, I think. Condemnation always puts us down. It drives us further into sin. Why? Because I think I used this example. You ate one Snicker, you just swelled to eat the whole bag. Right? So, but conviction brings us to change. It doesn't condemn us where we, where we feel like failures. Conviction brings us up. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us. But we've been made righteous. And just because we sin doesn't make us sinners. That's right. Amen. You're still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus even if you sinned. Right. And, and that's something that religion doesn't teach. I love an example. I think it was Charles Caps or Jerry Savelle one that gave this example years ago. Just because you stand in the garage, it does not make you a car. And just because you sin, it does not make you a sinner. Don't say you're an old sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You've been saved by grace. Now you are the... That's right. So just because you sin doesn't make you a sinner. That's, that's not your nature. Your nature is righteousness. And really, your sin is none of the devil's business. It's between you and the Father. And... First John 1 9 tells us if we confess our sin before him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all cleanses our conscience. That's what it does. It cleanses our conscience. So righteousness is your standing with God. I like to call it your it's your kingdom bill of rights. It's your kingdom bill of rights. That's important because if you don't know your legal right, you won't fight. You won't speak up. So you're not commanding God. Anything that's in here that God's promised you is already provided for, was provided in Jesus Christ. His work is done. He is seated at the right hand of the Father God. He's not doing anything else. Now it's up to you to receive what he did. And your salvation was complete. Anything that you need in life, anything that the scripture says, anything that pertains to life and godliness is provided through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so your legal rightness with God, if you don't know that, you won't walk in your God-given authority and you won't, well, you're just going to live intimidated. That word intimidated. Where if anything that you're trying to believe is challenged, You back down. Let me tell you, if you come to get my purse, it's my purse. And I don't want to have to replace my driver's license. Don't don't even think about the money that might be in the purse. I don't want to have to go down, Janelle, sorry, to your office. Ooh, I about messed up. Janelle's in the house. To the DMV. And... And get a new driver's license. Call the credit card company. Get the credit, get new debit card. You know, if you come to get something that's mine, I'm going to tell you it's mine. And I'm going to fight for it if I know I have the authority to stand and say this is mine. And if, peop- if you don't know that it's yours, And if you don't know that you have that right standing with God and that he has healed you, that he has provided for you, you won't fight for it. And so you get intimidated. What do people do that are intimidated? Here's my purse. Take my purse. I mean, that's sickness and disease tries to come. Oh, here's my body. Here's my strength. Here's my energy. Here's my joy. I mean, we shake our heads, but y'all, if we're intimidated by cancer, well, you know what right standing does? If I know I'm in right standing with God, what does cancer mean to me? Right standing is important. And when your promise is challenged, when your rights in Christ Jesus are are challenged, you've got to have right standing established so you know God is on your side. And if God is for me, who can successfully be my enemy? It'll empower you to rule. It'll empower you to reign and to use authority over your life. I think about Jesus in that boat asleep when that storm hit and the disciples are going nuts. You know, hey, he doesn't even care if we live or die. You know, Christians do that a lot. You know, where's Jesus? Where's God? Where? You know, he's over there asleep. Not because he doesn't care, because he expects you to stand up in the boat and say, peace, be still. Not to have to wake him up They had the same authority over the storm from the book of Genesis, given to them in the book of Genesis, that Jesus had. He was functioning as a man in the earth. We learned that from Philippians, right? Laid down his deity power, functioned as a man in the earth. And he stood up in that boat, and he said, peace be still. And it was still. Why? Because God gave man authority in the earth. I've talked to tornadoes. One of Rusty's first experiences in the faith message. (laughs) His first one was learning that God is good and he doesn't do bad things. That was our first date. (laughs) He came back for two or three more and there was a tornado coming through Pottsville and I lived in Pottsville and he was at the house and I think the kids were there. I don't remember if we were married yet or not. And uh, I went out on that front porch and me and that tornado had a talk. You get back up in that sky. Go up, you do no damage. He married me. <laughs> Girls, take a lesson from it. Isaiah 32 and we'll we'll wrap this up. I love these next two verses. Isaiah thirty two. Both of them are in Isaiah, so you won't have to go far. Isaiah thirty two seventeen. The fruit of righteousness will be peace what's the effect of righteousness peace i'm telling you you look that word up peace it comes from the word shalom which is one of my favorite words because shalom this peace is so all inclusive i mean it it when you look it up in the Greek or the Hebrew, shalom means safety. It has to do with happiness. It has to do with health. It has to do with prosperity. When we say shalom, when the, when the Jewish people say shalom, it is this. It is salvation. It is beautiful word. And the effect of righteousness is Shalom. It is the God life. That's what it will produce in you. So the fruit of righteousness will be peace. Shalom. The effect of righteousness will be quietness. And that doesn't mean you keep your mouth shut, although it might. It means rest. It means stillness. And it means undisturbed. You ever been disturbed? That's not peace. The effect of righteousness is an Is an undisturbed state. You know why? Because you know where you stand. You know where you stand. You're undisturbed. I need this word. It's really easy for me to get in a frenzy. So, you know, when I speak shalom and and Natalie and I, we converse a lot through text. I use that word a lot, don't I? I mean, almost everything that we're praying about, that we're responding to, that we're praying over people, I come out with the word shalom. Because it just it means so much to me. And here we have this quietness. I may start saying quietness. <laughs> Undisturbed. It'll produce that. And confidence. That's so what I'm saying. Righteousness will give you a boldness. It'll give you a confidence. It takes intimidation off the table. This word confidence means security. Assurance. And I love this both the fact and the feeling. Righteousness will produce a confidence in you, both the fact and the feeling. I love that because I like to feel confident. I don't want to have to work it up. But righteousness will give us and produce confidence, quietness, and peace forever, it says. Not roller coaster riding through life. Steady. That's how we're supposed to be. Go over to Isaiah 54 real quick. And whoever's got the mic, be ready. I'm hoping these people have something to say tonight, Lord. <laughs> Isaiah 54, verse 14. After three weeks, we may not have much left to say. Isaiah 54 verse 14 says, In righteousness you will be established. Now this version says tyranny. I think the King James Version says oppression. Tyranny or oppression will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed and it will not come near you. You. I use this with somebody today, somebody that's been in, uh, someone's trying to intimidate them in their business, trying to shut their business down, and this person knows who they are in Christ, and, and I sent this to them because when I looked up this word oppression and tyranny, uh, it, was, it was an intimidation, it was a pressure on you it was it had to do with um, I'm trying to think of the right word being lied against and and unjustness and, and it says it'll be far from you you'll have nothing to fear terror will be removed and it can't come near you why because you know where you stand not in yourself you know where you stand with God whom shall I fear Right? So righteousness is so, I don't know if we're going with this again next week or not, but I'm telling you, I just couldn't shut it down this week. There is, there is just too much here. It's too important. I feel like it's an answer for a lot of us. And things that we're trying to have in our life, peace, confidence, assurance, we're trying to have those in our life, this is, how, this is what produces peace, righteousness. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the kingdom of God is. And that's what we're supposed to be living in. That's what we're, where we're supposed to be ruling from, from his kingdom. Amen? Amen? All right. Kayla's got the mic. And she's waiting for you to raise your hand and say something. We do have the draft system in play, if necessary. No, I'm just kidding.
1: I'm going to be first. You're good, Louise. You're good. Okay, way back when, when Joan A came, I think we just came into the new building, and I don't know if he was talking to me. I took it personally. He said, you're the best God's God. Yeah. You know what I thought? The first thoughts that come into my mind, boy, is he in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, he said that, that all the time, me, you know, yeah, you're the best, God, because I didn't feel that. Yeah. And so I had to get in front of my mirror and look at myself and say, you're the best. God's God. Yeah. You're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't feel that at all. Yeah. But I had to convince myself. Yeah. And, and when he said that, you know, that told me where I was
0: at. Yeah. That's really good. That's a great memory from Jonay. Jonay had this uh, way. He was an edifier. He just he edified people, and he did it for, for God. I mean, he loved you for God, and he would, he would make that statement. Every time he spoke, you're the best God's God, and you are. There's nobody like you. That's a good memory. Thank you, Louise, and powerful one. Who had their hand up over here? Mr. Brett? She's coming from behind.
2: <laughs> um, so I had two things. One, um, in Romans 6, when you said sin will drive you, uh, I was thinking uh, sin will drive you, but God leads you. That's he, right. He goes before us. And also in Psalm 23, it talks about he leads us besides still waters. But He, uh, like a shepherd, he goes before us. He He doesn't push. He, That's right. Uh,
0: That's a good then, point.
2: Then the second thing was you at the beginning mentioned that we we're kings and a, a king's words or decrees get carried out. So mm.
0: man, that's good. That's why your words are your words are important. That is so good, Brett. That goes along with our, our last couple of Sunday mornings too. Importance of those words. I told y'all it's good when y'all talk. See what we've we've already got. Anybody else had have any good pointers like you had you you were not in a place of knowing your righteousness and it's something that you really had to learn and how you came to a place kelly you are you are you waving at me i mean i think we I think we all did. I kind of grew up in it, but still the life kind of tries to steal it sometimes
3: I can't remember where i got this from but whenever you know god removes our sin as far as the east is from the west it's like there's this big chalkboard and that sin's written up there and there's this big eraser so whenever he erases it you know those little chalk particles fall down and no matter how hard you try you can never put that back together again that's good and so When I was much younger, I thought, why did God say, as far as the east is from the west, why didn't he say north and south? And then it dawned on me that, you know, if you're at the North Pole, you know, if you walk long enough, you'll hit the South Pole. And when you're at the South Pole, you walk long enough, you're going to hit the North Pole in a continuous circle. But whenever you're going west, you can walk till you walk the earth in two, and you're never going to hit east. And the same is true. If you're... Walking east, you're never going to hit west. Kelly (laughs) Joe, we're just
0: all going to go home on that. (laughs) You have confounded the congregation. That is awesome. (laughs) Psalm 103, Mom said, is the reference to that. That's that's great. I love it. You're never going to find east. We need a t-shirt. We're Charlotte. (laughs) You're never going to find east. The matriarch has the mic.
1: Thank you. Well, I was thinking about the righteousness as being righteous. And in Psalms 5, this is so good. He says, for thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. you got a blessing pronounced on you because you're righteous. And then he says, with favor, will thou compass him as with a shield. And that word shield means as with a crown. So we not only are blessed... Because we're the righteousness of Christ. But we're blessed with favor. Mm, that's good. And, and we're crowned with it. You think about mm-hmm. that. Where does a crown go? Mm-hmm. On your head. Up here. Where do we need it? Mm-hmm. Up here in the soulish realm. Good. So I wear that crown yeah. of favor on me. And, and I use that scripture. I find favor with God and man. man. Yeah. But I hadn't really realized that I was crowned with it.
0: That's good. That's good. There's some good effects of righteousness. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed, or his children out begging bread. It's generational. It's generational blessing. If you think about it, if you raise your children under the mental righteousness that they're righteous that when they mess up, if you don't condemn your children, but you convict your children you and they don't lose their standing with you every time they make a mistake. I mean we passed these things down for generations, so it's it's powerful. Anybody else? come on, oh Cindy, I'm sorry we don't want you to hold back we
2: I was listening to Mark Hankins back some time ago, and Well, I listen to him a lot. But this one uh, message he was talking on, our righteousness, our right standing in Christ, that when Jesus took our sin nature and he took it to hell, it, it died. He killed it there, left it there. And then he rose, perfected in the true nature of God and everything God wanted to put into us. So when we look at Jesus and who he is, we have to realize that, you know, God couldn't fix us. He couldn't fix our spirits. It had to die and be born again. And it was born again truly in the likeness of Christ. And he's like the prototype. Mm -hmm. And then when everybody who gets born again after that, that old creature dies, a new one's born again. We are the same exact image as Christ because that's the only one there is. Scripture said he was the firstborn the among
0: only many brethren.
2: So when yeah. condemnation and things try to come against us, we have to look at Jesus mm-hmm. and look at him that's in good. the sense of, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. And I had a hard time dealing with that for years. Yeah. You know, that's who I am. We are in him. We, our life is hidden in him. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the, good. the idea that it's, it's, it's gone, that old nature is gone. Yeah, and, and when the devil tries to bring it back up, it's like, it's gone.
0: That's not he what you it. want to resurrect. Yeah. <laughs> There's some yeah. things you don't want to resurrect.
2: Righteousness is a foundation for faith. Yes. You know, and, and if we cannot see ourselves righteous, we can't operate in faith. You're right. Because it's the faith in that God gave us, the authority that He gave us through our righteousness that yeah. allows us to operate in that faith. So exactly if right. If we don't see ourselves righteous, we won't walk in faith.
0: We'll, we'll find a way to x ourselves out. That's right of the promises. We will not qualify without it. And so, that's so good. Y'all can preach.
3: Miss Bryant. We've been watching Jerry Savelle, and uh, this is what he's been preaching on lately. Proverbs 13:22. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Ooh, that's a good...
0: That's a good effect. Yes. That's good. Thank you. True. It, it it's like a magnet. It draws good things to you.
1: So. Stetsy? I think one of the best things about being righteous is knowing that when we do mess up, he's faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all That's unrighteousness. Right. And you know, we we are we are righteous. But we do mess up. Right. And we know that we can go to him and that he will forgive us.
0: That's so true. There's a confidence in that. And it keeps us from running from God and it keeps us running to God uh, even when we mess up. Who's got that mic? Let's hear that radio. A brother from
2: Hot Springs shared this with me a couple (laughs) of weeks ago. I love his voice. (laughs) And uh, it really, I identified with it. It's attributed to Martin Luther. When I look at myself, I don't see how I can be saved. When I look at Christ, I don't see how I can be lost.
1: Ooh, that's good.
0: Don't y'all just love his radio voice? It's just like, oh my goodness. He is our radio engineer, by the way. If you listen to KMTC, which is the radio station we have here at the church, uh, 91.1, Mr. Jim is the one that keeps us on the air, and it is a great ministry. And has done it for how many years, Mr. Jim? How many years have you been taking care of KMTC? Probably about 40. Yeah, it's it's a great ministry. I know John talked about it Sunday, but everywhere we go, we run into somebody who doesn't come here but listens to KMTC, and so I told John this last week, I said, "You know, we pastor, and those people call us when they have need. We, we pastor far more than, the, than is in this building, which is beautiful, uh, beautiful. We'd love for him to be here, but either way, we're getting the word out. And Mr. Jim makes sure that we stay on the air, and we, we've needed him many times. <laughs> and he's always there to get us back on. So it's a good word, Mr. Jim. I guess all the righteous can stand.